Welcome to Topaz Gems, a podcast about quilting, machine embroidery, sewing, and other crafty ideas. Welcome to this week's episode. My name is Mark, and today I have wrangled in Day to join me. Hi, Day. Hi, Mark. This is Day. I'm here to introduce myself and to let you know a little bit about my background. I was working at a local shop here in town since about the 1990s. Uh, they focused on embroidery machines, sergers, and sewing machines. Over that time, I've picked up a little bit of everything from all the machines, but I also loved working on the embroidery machines exclusively. So I've carried that forward. So we are still able to work on the embroidery side of things with our digitizing capabilities. We are able to constantly work on projects and new ideas, either in our head, hopefully, and on the machine, the digitizing process. Working with all the machines, I was able to pick up a little bit on how they operate properly, when things go wrong, and what we can look for to fix or to look at. That has also enabled us to have a good background when we're talking to folks on certain machines when they're using them on possibly what could be going wrong. With that in mind, uh, I'd like to talk about sewing machines, sergers, and embroidery machines. So, Day, you've worked worked with sewing machines for quite a few years, and um, you've had your good experiences and bad experiences, I assume. So um, I know that you have um, kind of put together a rough outline for uh, what people need to to do with the machines and stuff, but what kind of machines really are out there right now? Well, right now, the manufacturers that we know of are Brother, Baby Lock, Viking Husqvarna, should be Viking. Husqvarna Viking, Janome, Bernina, and Singer. There are a few other brands out there that we won't mention here. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they are out there for your perusal. And please check them out. All the machines have their own little uh, quirks and icons that are different from one another. And they all have their own little way of doing things. All fun nonetheless. Yeah, now I know that we, there, you can get them like through Amazon or through um, what the, like Sears used to carry them. I don't know if Sears is still open or not, but I know like Joann's Fabrics carries machines, Costco carries machines. Do you recommend those brands or those lower end machines? Only if one is really going to be playing with the machine and not doing some serious sewing and embroidery on it. The manufacturers, they used to only put out the smaller machines for the big box stores. If you're serious about getting into the sewing world, please go check a dealer and let them put you through the paces on one of their machines perhaps define what it is you're going to do with the machine and then go down and take some time and just look at and operate the machines. 
So there are a few dealers in town, though, that we can visit here in the Reno area. I know A1 Vacuum and Sewing is one of them. Um, I've been in there a couple of times, really great people. So there's Sierra Sewing, uh, Going Batty, and Windy Moon. Do you have any other ones, or are those usually... Because I know there's some over the hill in California side, too. Correct. I would say if you're just testing the waters, perhaps go to one of the local shops here and see what they have to offer. Prices is also something you need to think about. Um, perhaps they're having specials at the time, or possibly think about financing. If you're going to go into the embroidery machine world, it's a possibility that it could be something that would work for you. So pricing, you had mentioned, we're looking at somewhere like anywhere between maybe $800 on the cheap end up to 15000 15000 on the high end. I would think so, yes. Yeah, so we're, we're, there's a full range of whatever it is that you're looking for that's available. Sergers aren't that expensive. They're, what, eight to 1200 maybe? Uh, perhaps a little bit more with the advent of five threads and cover stitches, yes. Uh, okay, so there's specialties even in the sergers. They're not just the... Correct. The old lockover knit kind of... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, cool. So when we're looking at machines, what's some of the help that we can get? Where, where can we find information? Well, there's a lot of t YouTube's channels out there. Or What is it? Channels? Yeah, yeah, channels. Uh, out there for help. Uh, maybe even to get some questions answered before you go to a dealer, but I would recommend uh, going to a dealer, sitting down with them, and getting some brochures. Maybe check the manufacturer's website. Friends that you know that have had certain brands, do they like them or do they don't like them? What do and don't they like about the machines? That's a good starting spot. Oh, okay. Um should they go in with a kind of like a list or something of what they would like to do, options of different types of sewing? That way they can be steered in a better direction right off the bat and not shown a bunch of different machines but have it limited? Or Yes, that's always a good idea to have a little focus in mind on what you're going to do and then see if your salesperson can get you on the road. Oh, cool. Okay. So I guess you would always want to make sure that you had access to the manuals or at least if they um, they have a manual available for the machine. Would that be a big help? Or Yes, always a good idea to have a manual handy. Uh, all of the brand new machines will have manuals and user's guides available. Uh, please check with the dealer and your salesperson, see what's out there and what comes with. Also, they will have lessons to what degree we're unsure of, but please check with them and times and how many are in the class and whatnot. And make sure you ask questions. Also, ask about your warranty. What's What are your warranties available with certain machines? They're different. Yeah, because there's all kinds of different options, packages, and promotions and stuff. So you know, yeah. they, they may include free classes or free 
um, a free chair was one of the options that I got when I picked up my diamond. So my uh, Viking diamond, that one, I would, oh man, I would have really preferred all the stabilizer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the um, different, different, uh, different dealers, are, and especially in our area, they're very competitive against each other. So depending on the machine that you're getting, you know, they could be competing one against the other. So, you know, you can, you can even get quotes and go back and forth. Um, not that I would say, well, this company gave me this quote and this company gave me this quote and have them go back and forth. Cause after a while they'll say, well, go get it at that company, then leave us alone. <laughs> uh, so always a good idea to do your homework. Um, Again, check with about financing. Double check your warranty and what that entails. And then also check about servicing. What's a good idea for servicing on these machines? Any of the machines will need servicing at some point, uh, whether it's a, a quick blowout or just what do you need to do as a customer when you're doing hours and hours of machine embroidery. What do I need to clean out? How far into it do I need to go? So do check with that as well. So I'm going to assume as you're looking at the machine that there's going to be at least three or four stitches that um, are available to you. Or is that kind of like, I know that when I looked at my first one, there was something like 300 stitches and they're all crammed into the the lid of the sewing machine. <laughs> so what, what kind of stitches should I be looking for as a general sewer versus, you know, someone who wants to do quilting or, or that kind of? Most of your machines are going to have a very basic set of stitching, whether you're going to be doing quilting or hemming pants or blind hemming, whatever your, your focus is going to be. Uh, ask the salesperson to show you those stitches and do run them on the machine, especially a blind stitch or a triple action zigzag stitch. They're all important. Those stitches have uh, certain functions that we need to keep in mind for your focus on what you're going to do. When you're looking at certain stitches, make sure that or ask about what feet to use. The machines will also have several presser feet to work with the machines. <laughs> so so you mean all those feet actually do something different? I don't just keep using that one foot I use over and over again? No. Oh. <laughs> check your manual and check with your salesperson that you're going to get the foot lined up with the stitch that you're going to use. Okay. So Always that, a good idea. Yeah, I know that my Viking sometimes will tell me a different foot and then screams at me when I don't have that foot on there. So I think they're getting smarter just to, to foil my plans. <laughs> yeah, so feet are very important. Also check in your machine with your salesperson what all other accoutrements come with the machines. Uh, are there cleaning brushes, screwdrivers? What not? What does this tool do, and what does it not do? Uh, and can I open the package of cookies sitting next to me with any of those tools? <laughs> well, you know, one thing I found is that they only include in that kit maybe two or three bobbins, and I'm going to have to go out and either I'm 
winding thread on the bobbin and then pulling off whatever I didn't use to put new new thread on the bobbin or I need to buy a bunch load of bobbins. So I know that some bobbins that, that I picked up don't fit in my machine but they'll fit in a different machine. So there's obviously different types of bobbins out there? Yes, not every bobbin is created equal, nor will it fit every machine. There are type L bobbins and there are class 15 bobbins out there. So make sure that you get the right ones and your dealer will have some in stock. And if you're out and about or online ordering them, make sure that you're getting the correct ones. Yeah, because I know like the brand new, uh, is it the new Viking machine that's out? It has a totally new bobbin. And same with Bernina. They have a special like extra gigantic bobbin and stuff. So there's all kinds of different ones out there. But um, like my brother uses the class L in the Viking. No, my brother uses the class 15 and my Viking, the diamond, uses the, the L. Uh, size L, so I have to keep two separate sets of bobbins wound. Um, but there's pre pre wounds out there too, isn't there? There are pre wound bobbins. Make sure that you check what type of thread is on the pre wounds. Some of them are for embroidery only, and some of them would be suitable for quilting and other type of sewing. Most generally, when you're talking about pre wound bobbins. They're pretty much a one-use only. Uh, not really a good idea to wind them again after you use them. You can, however, if you need to, take that bobbin thread from a pre-wound bobbin and wind it onto your regular bobbin. So I know, like you were saying, there's um, s uh, different types of thread that are on the bobbins, and we had one where we had one lady, she was using quilting thread for her embroidery machine that was on the bobbin. It was a cotton quilting specifically set on the tube, and she was putting it in for her embroidery machine and then kept wondering why the thread kept breaking or kept nesting underneath. So, so that's, I guess, some of the different problems that might occur when you're, when you're working with the wrong thread for your bobbin. Yes. Actually, you can put many types of thread these days onto bobbins and work in the regular sewing machine. Uh, it used to be you had to be like for like top and bobbin with the same thread, but not so much anymore. We can actually put the uh, monofilament thread in the bottom and the top if we wish to, and many other choices, especially in machine embroidery. Really? Oh, that's really good. And then I know a lot of quilters, too, like to use that monofilament when they're doing quilting so they don't have a specific color showing through, but yet they're quilting designs. So they could do that for both the top and the, the bobbin on that. I guess they just have to be more careful as they're doing it. Yes, yeah, so when you're doing that, you can check your speed on the machine and do check your top thread tension. That is something that you are able to play with these days. Another question for you, Day, as if I don't have a million already. One of the items that I've been running into is that I've now got some machines that only take a certain type of medium when I'm doing my embroidery for the files. 
So like it's a, like this old card and I have to have a special card reader to get into the machine. Some people say they use a stick. Others have to hook theirs up to the computer. So what's going to be the best when I'm looking for a new machine? When you're looking at a new machine, embroidery machine these days, pretty much all of them will work off of a USB stick. Uh, please check the amount of gigs on the stick and how much the machine will be able to read properly. They are coming out, the new machines are always coming out with bigger, better, faster things and ways of doing things. So do check that out with the dealer and your salesperson. So like my older machine though, I, if I go over a two gig, which are almost impossible to find anymore, um, unless you're paying an arm and a leg for it, if I go over that, I, I've locked up my machine before where it just won't read it anymore. Yes, that's correct. So please be aware of that. You could do some possible damage to the machine if you put a wrong size stick in the machine. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. So I could actually blow something out? Possibly. Please check with your dealer, though, and your manual should oh. also be able to tell you. You mean the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, definitely do that. Um, screen size? Screen size is something to think about when you're doing embroidery, for sure. When you're putting a stick into the machine for it to read the embroidery design, it's nice to be able to see the design on the screen and maybe see some of the details on it. Some of the smaller screens are not able to do that as well as the big screens. Plus, some of them nowadays are what digital and LED and all kinds of fancy stuff. So it's a possibility that you'll want to check out. So if I'm looking online and maybe getting something from eBay, I won't be able to tell what kind of screen that is. I know like with my Topaz 30, the very first embroidery machine that I picked up post 2000, um, that one had just a like a three by five card size and it was all one color, the monochrome color, and I could not tell what was what when it was stitching out. That's correct. Um, some of the card readers are getting to be a little outdated. Some of the dealers may not even support those old card readers. And if you can find anything on YouTube, that would be good. Or perhaps somebody can show you how to do that. Oh, so like an old friend or someone that has one of the older machines. But then, see, they would want one of the new machines and are trying to pawn their old machine <laughs> off on me for, you know, $3,000, enough for their down payment on their new machine. <laughs> it's like, that's how I got that one and that one, so... Uh, yeah, I uh, I like I like having the bigger screen, uh, being able to look at the different colors of the thread, um, because my machine shows the actual name of the thread uh, from the digitizer. It's not necessarily the thread I'm using, but at least I can see all that information, so I know where I am in my design. Any other tricks as far as keeping an idea of where you're you're at on your embroidery designs or anything? If you're looking at an embroidery machine, do talk with the salesperson about your hoop sizes. They're very important with the machines that you're going to get. You'll have anywhere from one to three or more 
that come with the machines, but there are also hoops available to you for different size projects. Now, sometimes your machine may only allow up to a certain size, though, right? That's correct. Your dealer and the manual will also be able to tell you what hoop sizes are going to be available for the machine with a maximum capacity, of course. And that w might limit you on certain things that you're going to do. The hoop sizes keep getting bigger and bigger as the machines get bigger and bigger as well. Yeah, those new ones that just came out from Brother and Baby Lock, they're, what, a nine and a half by 13 or... I mean, they're huge, but I would never be able to get something like that on my old brother. Like, so I couldn't trade a, a hoop or, or something like that with someone? Usually not, but kind of have an idea of what your limitations are, especially when you're downloading machine embroidery designs online or from a prepackaged design set that you've purchased somewhere there should be some sort of explanation or parameter that you're going to look for on the design sizes. Oh, so like a maximum stitch out or stuff. Now I can I can shrink that on my my machine, right? You can. There are certain options on the machines that will enable you to reduce or enlarge the designs. Oh, so I could make it really really small or really really big? Correct. Now, is there a point where I can't make it any smaller or make it any bigger? Yes, there will be. Okay. You'll want to check with your your manual and your dealer as well. Okay, so what's what's the average shrink or growth size? I mean, what, what should I ex be able to do? Like if I have a 7-inch design and I want to put it in a 4-inch hoop. You possibly could reduce it down that small. Uh, again, I would check with the manual, and then if you need to, check it on on the machine itself. Load the design into the machine and see how far down you can go. And then when you're doing that, do check your stitch count and see if that changes or not. There's options, again, that will change your stitch count if you're reducing and or enlarging. Oh, so if I'm reducing it down and it was 70,000 stitches, and it's still 70,000 stitches, and I've moved it to from 7 to 4 inches, I'm going to end up with one big knot, maybe? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so I really have to be careful on what my machine does when it's shrinking or, or enlarging a design. Correct. Oh, okay. I do need to mention one thing to you, Mark, regarding temperature controls for the sewing machines. Uh, you don't want to let the machines get into a below zero or below 30 degrees, possibly, if you can help it. Um, they do not like the superheat as well. Similar to your computers, probably a good idea to keep it on an even keel as far as temperature goes. You mean if it's a beautiful snowing day outside, I can't sit outside and, and do embroidery <laughs> while, while I'm watching the snowflakes fall? <laughs> I suppose that you could if you wanted to do that. I would just be a little careful that the snow doesn't melt into water and possibly oh. get somewhere it shouldn't be. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'll just do it from the inside where I have a nice fireplace going and some hot chocolate. <laughs> Uh, so can I 
speaking of water, can I use water and cleaners and stuff to wipe down my machine or get, you know, get in deep? Because I know sometimes I get lint in, in certain areas and stuff. So um, I definitely want to clean my machine. Uh, if I don't want to take it to someone to get it done all the time, I can get in there and really tear it apart and clean it, right? To a point, please check with your dealer and your salesperson to have them show you how far into the machine you can get into. You do want to get clean around the bobbin case area and bobbin cases do come out, but check with your dealer and your manual to make sure that you're doing it properly and not to go any deeper than need be. Also a good idea to not use the canned air to blow into the machine. That's kind of a no-no because where where does the dust go to if you're blowing into the machine? Oh, okay. So what do I do then? Use the straw and suck it out? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, huh? <laughs> no, I would use some good cleaning tools recommended by your dealer. Use the tools that came with the machine and check your manuals to see what kind of tools to use exactly. Okay, I know that um, my one dealer, they sold me like a little attachment set that I could use to vacuum out underneath. That's okay as long as it's sold from the dealer, correct? I would think so, yes. Okay. Unless they're trying to make me use it so that I can bring it back in for repairs and they can charge me for repairs. <laughs> they wouldn't do that, though, would they? No. Okay. So um, how, often, how often should I take my machine in to the dealer to get repaired? I mean, I know that if it's not working or I, I just get a blue screen on my embroidery machine or it just locks up, Obviously, that's I'm going to have to take in to get it repaired. But if I'm just using it for two or three years and nothing's going on, how many times should I take it in to, to actually be cleaned or looked at or maybe an update or something like that? I would check the manual on the machine and also check your salesperson's recommendation. A lot of times 18 months is good. Sometimes a year is good to take it in. It just depends on how much use it's seeing and how much buildup of fuzz and lint, thread lint and whatnot builds up into the machine. Okay, but I can go into the bobbin case like after every project I do and, and just use a little brush to brush out the bobbin case and do my part to keep it clean. Yes, and do check your bobbin case and make sure that there's no damage or thread that gets wrapped around anywhere it shouldn't be. Oh, so like when when I'm pulling on my fabric, if I'm sewing and that needle snaps and breaks because it hits inside, that might be hitting the bobbin case and causing damage? Possibly. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, definitely. Then I got to go take my machine in. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but updating the software, is that something I can do myself or does it always have to be done at the dealer? When you're updating the machines... Uh, it will include new stitches, new functions for the machine. A lot of them you can get on the website, or if you're uncomfortable doing that, do take it down to the dealer. They can update the machine there. 
So if I'm if I'm taking my machine in for its annual cleaning, just have them check to see if there's any new updates, and they could do both at the same time? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, that's easy enough. So I have a couple of friends who are who have purchased new machines, and I don't know exactly what it is that um, made them want to get new machines. But if I'm looking at a new machine... And I've already, I've been very happy with mine now, but I know that they make them bigger, stronger, faster, and of course very heavy. Why would or what would cause me to want to go into a larger machine? I mean, what should motivate me and what should I be looking for in the new machine? I would say ease of use, possibly a larger screen and possibly larger hoop sizes to do some bigger embroidery. Beyond that, there might be new stitches available, uh, maybe some new functions. Uh, So I would check into that, look on the dealer's website again, or go check with your local dealer. So as soon as I finish paying off the old one, go ahead and start making payments on a new one, or... I can wait a few years or, I mean, because I know technology is changing all the time as the the machines are updating all the time too, aren't they? They are. Um, Just like the computers and our telephones and all other aspects of the electronic world, the machines are no different. Uh, Yeah, that's true. But do they have one that serves cappuccino? You know, it's a possibility. (laughs) I know I could stitch it out, but I don't think it'll fix it for me yet. So Um, what kind of uh, accessories do I want to buy for my machine? I I, I know I can get all kinds of new hoops. There's magnetic hoops. There's clear plastic hoops and sometimes even a cap hoop if I wanted to do flat and soft rim uh, baseball caps and stuff. But um, like, what other what other accessories should I be thinking about when I'm getting my machine? Like the uh, skid pads, or what do they call those? Well, I know that there is a non-skid foot control pad that you can mount on the floor. We either with with tape or just putting it on the floor. One of them is made by Martelli Industries. There are a couple other outfits out there that do those as well. I believe they also make non-skid pads for the machines to place on your table as well. Oh, so that it helps stop vibrating or that kind of stuff, the noise reduction? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, I know that the new machines have a lot more lights underneath the, what is it, the bottom of the, the arm? Oh, throat. So on the bottom of the throat. Um, but sometimes that's not enough. Is there other options I can do? There are lights you can stick onto the machines, double stick tape, different types of lights available. Uh, I would check into that, see what the dealer's got, and then maybe check online as well. But yeah, more light is good. Um, desk lamps okay or does that run interference no that should be okay okay um what about like when i'm doing my uh, quilting i would say that that's a personal preference when you're quilting to decide what type of light you need in addition to what's already on the machine perhaps you need just need one desk lamp maybe you need some stick-on lights uh, i would say check that out 
Okay, yeah, because I'd like to do some, well, I do a lot of in-the-hoop quilting, but I know um, I've been practicing a little bit more with my uh, free motion quilting. Is there anything that I can use, not just lighting, but is there any other accessory that I can use to help that easy, help me do it easier, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Well, they're always coming out with new gadgets and gizmos and new products. So your quilting machines or your embroidery machine uh, magazines are always a good option. Or if you get to a quilt show uh, locally or across the state or whatever, they're always good options to see what kind of new things are out there. All right, so we got some announcements, I guess, uh, here on the board today. Um, So next week, uh, September 6th, 7th, and 8th is the Sierra to Sage Shop Hop. Uh, The stores are going to be opening at 9 a.m. in the morning and stay open until 6 p.m. all three days. So you'll want to make sure that you get out there. Uh, Remember, the cities that you'll be visiting are uh, Susanville, Portola, Fallon, Fernley, Minden and Gardnerville. So have your maps ready. You've got three days to hit all the locations and uh, they're pretty well spread apart. Um, If you need more information or need to download your passport, you can go to www.sierra2sage.com. You can print out your passport and have everything ready to go. Go to the different stores, have them stamp it. They'll only stamp yours, so you can't bring like six or seven passports in with you for your friends and expect to get them all stamped. So each one stamp per person is uh, all that you're going to be able to do. But there's some great prizes. Not only that, they also are accepting food donations. So as you are doing your shop hopping, if you have um, some food to donate, uh, you'll be entered into a drawing um, at each location that you're donating the food at for some additional prizes. Check with one of the store owners or employees uh, for full details when you're at that shop. Uh, Truckee Meadows Quilters is having their annual potluck. Uh, Both groups will be part of the potluck, the AM and the PM groups. The potluck will be held at 1231 Pyramid Way in Sparks. It will be starting at 10 a.m. on what day? Do you have a day? Oh, yeah. That's going to be Saturday the 15th. There we go. Okay, so that sounds good. Yeah, they they said that you can use their contact page on their website to uh, get more information. It's uh, www.tmquilters.com. And you could also uh, Google Truckee Meadows Quilt Guild, and it'll have uh, directions right to their website. So yeah, they're they're going to be doing the joint uh, AMPM potluck. So it's going to be a big event. Unfortunately, I will not be able to attend this year because we have our own little group that'll be meeting that day. So podcasting. <laughs> so speaking of which, um, if you'd like to contact us and leave us a a note on how we're doing, Uh, have any questions, or need to submit your own guild's little events or local happenings, you can email us at podcast at topazquilts.com. You can also use the contact form at www 
topazquilts.com, or you can also catch us on Facebook at Topaz Quilts. So, Dave, this was your first time at podcasting. How do you like it? Are you enjoying it so far? Well, besides being terribly, terribly nervous, even though nobody's watching, it was fun, and I hope to continue to do this and get into some more fun topics. Oh, good. Well, yeah, I I had a good time. I was very nervous when I did my first recording, so it was uh, up on the website now. So if you want to actually hear it, it's the 0000 because of the big zero recording. Um, to kick it all off with but we had a great time so thank you so much Dave for being here today and uh, I guess I guess it's time to get back to work yes sounds good all right (laughs) thank you all for listening and have a wonderful afternoon